Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Goodness me. Goodness me. Hey, it has been a brilliant series. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. And it is good to be here in Cambridge this morning, but I'm also talking to Colchester, those of you who are online, those of you in prisons, give it up for all those who are joining us through the airways this morning. My name is Becky, and uh, it is lovely to be here to be able to talk to you about this final part of our series. And it really has been good. It really has been good. If you haven't heard the last few messages, I would recommend that you do catch up, watch online, go to YouTube, and check them out, because they really have been solid teaching, some really good teaching the past few weeks. We started off with Elspeth looking at absolute truth. The fact that truth does exist. She talked about the incarnation of God, which is a a big, deep, Elspeth-type word. And that means God in flesh. That God exists on the earth in the form of Jesus. And then Daniel Rolfe came and he talked about truth revealed, about the breath of God coming face to face with God. That Jesus is truth, that our creation and we as humanity are broken, but he came to restore us and that we are on mission to tell people about it. And then finally, Jeff Lucas shared on the truth sets us free last week. He encouraged us not to be people that consume all of this different fake truth, but to be people that are confronted by real truth. In the same way as the lady at the well was confronted by Jesus in love, with grace, but with truth. And he talked about the truth is our incarnate in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. Truth is embodied in Jesus. And therefore, to know the truth, we have to be proximate to Christ. We have to be close to Christ. So truth exists, it's been revealed, it sets us free, fantastic, now what? Now what? Well now we get to share it. Now we get to be the tellers of this truth. See, if Jesus really is who he says he is, and we really know Jesus as that truth in our personal lives, and we are living in that freedom of Christ, then why do we keep it to ourselves? Why? If you know of the, 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 the God who sets us free, the one who is alive and active, why do we keep it to ourselves? Or even should we tell the truth? Should we be tellers? And how can we change that narrative that maybe we keep it for ourselves and we consume it? Now, I have a big question for us this morning. Big question for those of you who may be in Colchester or watching online. This is the question I have. And it's this. Is the Jesus that you know worth 
sharing. Is the Jesus that you know worth sharing? Do you know the King of Kings? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Do you have a relationship with the personal Messiah? Is he alive and is he active? Is he a Monday relevant person and God in your life? Do you know Jesus who is worth sharing? Because the Jesus of the Bible, the Messiah, the King of Kings, he is a Jesus worth sharing. He is a Jesus worth telling about. And the second question I have for us, myself included, is this question. Well then, are we true disciples? Are we true disciples? Because if the Jesus we know is the Jesus that we believe in, are we the true disciples of the tellers of this truth? Now maybe you're thinking, goodness me, Becky, this is deep for a Sunday morning. Is, and I don't want us all to leave this place having, you know, some kind of crisis of do I even know Jesus? Am I even a Christian? Am I a disciple? That's not the aim of this morning for us all to leave having some sense of crisis of faith. Please, let's not do that. But what I do want to encourage us is leaving this place this morning in the knowledge that as a normal disciple, as a normal disciple of Jesus, we can go from fearing telling the truth to being a truth teller. And how do I know that? Because it happened in the Bible. It happened to someone in the Bible. So this morning, we are gonna leave this place or you're gonna stop watching this wherever you're gonna watch this from. And we're gonna leave this place knowing that I can go from a normal disciple who has fear of telling about Jesus to crossing over to being a teller of the truth. Because that is who we are called to be. So what would it look like? Just take a moment. What would it look like to see UK transformed for Jesus or to see Cambridge or Colchester transformed for Jesus? What does that mean? Or maybe we could take it even a step further back and say, what would it look like to see my village or my street transformed for Jesus? Or, or maybe even a step further back from that, what would it look like to see my family transformed for Jesus? See, if we are going to see people reached with the gospel, we've got to have the realization that the people who are on our earth right now are the people who are on our earth right now. And I'm also on that earth right now. See, I can't wait until these people have become different people because that will also mean that I will no longer be here. If they're no longer here, I'm also no longer here. See, the people who are walking on our earth right now are the people who God has asked us to be walking on the earth with, right? Make sense? No one else. And this is, this is the time and the place, and it's no one else's responsibility but mine. See, this gets me excited. This really does get me excited. If every six months, I personally saw someone come to faith, someone come to Christ, 
and you personally, every six months, saw someone come to Christ, and they personally, every six months, saw someone come to Christ, the UK would be transformed in less than 10 years. That gets me excited because that's actually kind of achievable, right? Like every six months, I could find someone. I could find them. I could bring them to church. I could tell them about Jesus. I could see them get saved and they could do the same thing. Easy. Got it, sus. Got it, sorted. Maybe we should just head out now and crack on. (laughs) See, I get pumped about that and I get excited And we might believe that we should do that, and that is all very well and good saying that. But then my humanity appears, and then I get prevented from sharing my faith every single day. Yesterday, I... um, when I didn't see many people yesterday, it's a Saturday, it's kind of one of those days where I don't really do all of that much, just hang out and do the laundry and, you know, those kinds of things. And, but I had to go and drop something off at somebody's house and I got a little bit lost and I couldn't find out where I was and I ended up talking to two strangers yesterday. One because I knocked on the wrong door and a second one because I was asking them if they knew where I needed to go. And that was pretty much the grand total other than my family and my housemate of the people that I spoke to yesterday. And as I was in my car driving home and I was found where I needed to go and and I was thinking about this message this morning, I thought, oh, did I miss an opportunity? Did I miss an opportunity to say, the reality of what I was doing was dropping something off for church the next day for Bury St. Edmunds. Did I miss an opportunity that the door was literally a little bit open to tell them what I was doing or maybe to invite them or maybe to say, thank you so much for your help. Do you want to come to our Easter service? Did I miss an opportunity? And maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But what prevents us from sharing our faith There is so many different things. And Jesus Film Project asked 1,600 people, what stops you from sharing your faith? And there's going to be a graph that will come up here. And these are all the different responses that they got. The first one was fear. Second one, lack of opportunity. Then nothing. Then feel unequipped and feel just a lack of being able to and not knowing what to say and the right words to say. And I wonder if you, I don't know how well you can see that, but I wonder if you can relate to any of those on there, relate to any of those different things. Because for me, if I'm being honest, the one I would probably choose right now is lack of opportunity. It's probably the one I would pick if I was saying if there was any reason, because my world is quite normally consumed by a lot of Christians. Now, there's people on my street who aren't Christians. There's people in my family who aren't Christians. There's people I meet every day, like the stranger who opens up the door, who aren't Christians. The reality is, that is fake news that there isn't opportunity. That is fake news. 
It's fake news that there's fear that we should fear because we have nothing to fear. If God is for us, who can be against us, right? We have nothing to fear. It's fake news and we could go through each and every reason and these reasons are real and we experience these reasons and we feel these reasons. I feel these reasons. But the truth is, if we're gonna be honest, if we're gonna be confronting with ourselves like Jeff encouraged us to do, these are fake news. They are fake news. It is our job to create those opportunities. What fake things are we believing when it comes to sharing our faith? We can take that picture down. But we, we tell ourselves, don't we? And I've done this. I have done this so many times. Or oh, they've got their own faith. Or they never asked me to impose my beliefs on them. Or I don't want to upset the status quo. I just want to let things exist. And yet, truth exists. See, we can say to ourselves, well, they never asked for it. They never asked to be told. I don't want to be pushy. But it's literally our job to display truth. It is literally our job to display truth. Let me show you this photo that I took recently. Recently, I had the opportunity to go to Chile it was amazing. Now, it's not my normal holiday destination to go across the world, but my friends and my family had chipped in together for a big birthday to send me on a trip of a lifetime. I know, I don't look 21, but <laughs> looks can be deceptive. And we went and we we explored all sorts of different places in the desert, and it was incredible. It's like nothing I have ever seen before. And we were there day one, uh, walking across the top of this valley you can just about see, and then we walked down the sand dunes, and it was like an unreal movie experience as you're going down these sand dunes and the wind is blowing and the sand's all around you. And as we get to the bottom of this sand dune, it starts to hail. And it's not normal for it to hail in the desert. Don't know if you know that, but it's not normal for it to hail. And apparently, we had a guy with us who's, who's a guide, and apparently that hasn't happened. He's never seen that in the last 14 years he's lived there. So it was amazing. It was miraculous. And it was fun for like the first minute. And then it wasn't, as you still had another 2K to walk back to the car and these pellets are kind of coming out of the sky and you're wet and, you know, all of that. But it took a moment as we were walking back to the car and we turned around and there was this incredible rainbow across the valley. Incredible rainbow. In fact, we could see where the rainbow ended. I've never seen that before. You could see, and there was not a pot of gold, but you could see where the rainbow ended. And as I was reflecting on this, I had the thought, see, we were the only people in this valley. I had the thought that even if I had not been stood there to see that incredible view, to experience that incredible moment, it still would have existed. 
Even if I had never seen it, it still would have existed. And we had this guide who knew the desert, like the back of his hand. And he would take us off-road and we would drive past all of the tourists and we would go past these signs that say, don't go this way and all of those kinds of things. And he would take us into the depths of the desert where there was nobody else around and he would show us all of this beauty. He would show us all of these views And the reality is, if we hadn't have ever been and seen them and explored them, they still would have existed. And truth is the same as that. See, even if we don't know it's true, even if we don't know that it exists, the fact is, it does. It does. Even if we haven't discovered it yet. And I think our job is like the job of this guy, this guide we had in Chile. Our job is to take people into the depths of the desert and to show them and explore the truth that exists, even if they didn't know that it was there. Even if they didn't know that they were looking for it. Because we were driving down the road and it looked awesome. It looked beautiful. But the moment when he took us off the road and he took us behind the valley and he took us up to the hill and he took us down the sand dunes and he was like, here it is. There's nobody else to see it. But this is the beauty that exists if you just look a little bit deeper. And our job as Christians, is to take people off the road, to take people into the depths of the desert, to stand there with them and say, look, you might not know it, you might not be able to see it from where you're standing, but let me help you be a guide and reveal and show you the truth that exists, even if you never knew that it was there. That is our job. Now, I told you earlier that I wanted to make sure that we leave this place knowing how a normal disciple went from fearing living in truth to being a truth teller, because that is what we have been called to do. So don't worry, in the final few moments, let's explore how we can be those guides, how we can be the people that come off the beaten track of the desert and put the truth on display for all to see. In Luke says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said to him, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. In this passage, we see Jesus, he's hanging out with his disciples and he says to Peter, Peter, you are gonna betray me. You are going to deny that you know me. You are not going to tell the truth. I don't know if you've ever been called a liar, but it's not a very nice feeling. And Peter says, Jesus, come on, I'm your friend. I've got your back. I would die for you. I don't know about you, but if I was Peter in that moment, I would have said the exact same thing. Jesus, I'm 100% in. I'm there. I believe in you. I am all for you. I will lay my life down for you. Jesus, I am in. But it doesn't quite work out like that, how Peter imagines. 
We pick up the story, it carries on, and it says this, they seize him, Jesus, and they lead him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. Peter was following at a distance. When they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looked closely at him, he said, this man was with him. But Peter denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. A little while later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. But Peter said, no, man, I am not. After an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man was with him. He is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, of how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Peter was gutted. He was absolutely gutted that he had stood there a minute ago saying, I am all for you, I will die for you. And then just a few moments later, Jesus was right. I mean, to be fair to Peter, Jesus was always going to be right. But Peter, Jesus was right. Peter had denied Jesus. Can you imagine that feeling for a moment? Just being Peter, your friend, your leader, the Messiah, the last thing, the last situation that involved you was you denying him, was you rejecting him. That has got to sit heavy on Peter. That that last moment was a moment of denial. Now, if we skip forward in the life of Peter, not all that far too much forward, we pick it up in Acts after Jesus has died and he's resurrected. And in Acts 14, it says this, but Peter, standing with the 11, lift, sorry, uh, Acts 2 verse 14, Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's the only third of the hour of the day. And he continues on with his sermon. And then at the end of the sermon, the scripture says, so those who received his words were baptized. And there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. How does Peter go from denying Jesus to saying, I do not know him, I do not know anything about him, to then just a few scriptures later, standing in front of thousands of people and boldly speaking about Jesus? How does that happen? Because if I'm honest with you, I'm the Peter, the denier. I'm the Peter who says, oh, I don't really know. Oh, yeah, I went to church, but like, I'm not really that involved. Lies. But how do we go from that Peter to the one who's boldly declaring who Jesus is and seeing thousands saved? Because church, if we can get this down, if we can figure this out, that one soul every six months really isn't that difficult. If you can get 3,000 in one swoop, we're on a good track here. 
See, the good news is, whatever happened to Peter is available for us too. Whatever happened for Peter is available for us too. Continuing into going back into John 21, it says this. Jesus had had died, he had risen, and he was uh, revealing himself to the disciples. And at this point, the disciples were fishing. And this is the third time Jesus has appeared to his disciples since his resurrection. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you, then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you, then take care of my sheep. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked a question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. What happened in this moment is Jesus redeemed Peter. Redeemed, that's quite a big word. We don't really use that in our everyday language. But what does that mean? It means all of our faults all of our failings, all of our denials, all of our shortcomings, all of our lies, all of our failure has been taken by Jesus. See, it was true for Peter and it is true for us. It's true for Peter and it's true for us. And it happens in a moment. It happens in that moment where we say, yes, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, where we ask him to come and to do that. But it all so happens every single day. Every single day when I neglect to take the opportunity of the door that has been opened for me. Every single day when fear overcomes me and it's more powerful than the truth that if God is for me, then who can be against me? When it happens every single day, the truth is we are redeemed by Christ. When we're too busy, when we forget When we don't take the opportunity, we are redeemed by Christ and we get to go again. We get to do it again. And secondly, what happened for Peter? And we see it in John chapter 20 and I'm going to read this scripture. But essentially the second thing that happened, and this happens for us too, is we are empowered We are empowered by the Spirit. John 20, verse 21. We're joining it at 21. It says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And here's the good news we are also empowered by the Spirit. We are also empowered by the Spirit. See, it is the work of the Spirit within us that gives us the boldness to be a teller of truth. It is the Spirit within us that convicts us, that compels us, that gives us the confidence, the words to say, places us into the situations and provides us with those opportunities. Without the Spirit... We are not able to have that level of confidence. But with the Spirit, 
we can glorify Jesus at every part of our day. See, the, the beauty of this is that we are empowered by the Spirit. The beauty is that that means that He's with us. That means that when we're in those situations, He is enabling us. And we are coming up to one of the biggest Christian opportunities of the year. We are. And I know Easter means that people go away and people aren't around and oh, I can't really invite my friends because I'm not gonna be there, which to be honest is something that I've said to myself because I'm gonna be in Colchester next week. See you there. I'm gonna be in Colchester next week. So part of my brain goes, well, I can't really invite my neighbors because I'm not even gonna be there. And the reality is, it's a bit of an excuse. It's a bit of an excuse because it's not about me. It's about the Spirit. It's about Jesus. He's the one that they need to see. He's the one that they need to be shown and taken into the desert and shown that beautiful view. It's not about me. On these flyers, which you can get on Next Steps or reception if you're here or ask online if you want one of these to be sent to you digitally, we can get these to you. This flyer says, what is real love? What is real love? And the truth is, we know that it's this. Not a cup of juice and a little wafer, but it's what this represents. It's that Jesus laid down his life so that we could be in right standing, so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be tellers of truth, so that we could be the ones that go into the desert and lift people's faces and say, look, look at the beauty that exists. Look at the truth that you are loved, that you are wanted, that you are a part of a family if you just would like to accept it. And wherever you are, we're going to take a moment to respond. You can do this if you're online, if you're in your prison cell, in Colchester, and in the room. Would you all just stand to your feet with me? And in a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to accept that redemption, to accept Christ. But before we do that, I'd like to give us all an opportunity to take a moment to accept and receive the Spirit to be empowered. Because we cannot do it without the Spirit. We can't. I can't do it in my own strength. My fear does overcome. I do have reasons and excuses. I am actually busy. But with the Spirit, everything changes. And when Jesus breathed on those disciples, and He said, I am sending you, that is the moment where Peter went from being a fearful, timid disciple of Jesus to seeing thousands of souls saved. So wherever you are, just take a moment to close your eyes. And I have a question for us, myself included. 
question is, will you let the Spirit empower you? Because He wants to. He wants to. This week, will you let the Spirit empower you? And if your answer is, I would like to let the Spirit empower me, whether you're in Colchester or online, would you just put your hands out as a way of receiving? As a way of receiving. And I'm just going to pray over us. Jesus, we thank you that you redeemed us. That you went to that cross and you redeemed us. And that you sent your disciples and you left your spirit so that we can empower it. And I pray over this room of people, over everyone in Colchester, in prisons, online. For any of us who are open and willing to be empowered by your spirit that this week your spirit would have come upon us and there would be a boldness and a confidence like no other to tell the truth of Jesus. We receive your spirit, we receive your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.